Why do your disciples not keep the tradition of the elders? Or in other words, what is true religion? I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, changed by the powerful enchanter called time, objects were seen to be carriages of absolute monarchs, the equipages of feudal nobles, the toilets of flaring Jezebels, the churches that were certainly not the father's house, but den of thieves. And then we see the huts of millions of starving peasants. Those lines are from A Tale of Two Cities. Charles Dickens paints the scene that led to the French Revolution. We see a man named Sidney Carton who is facing his execution. He clandestinely exchanged his life for the life of his doppelganger, a condemned friend named Charles Darney. Amidst the chains of death and the eruption of jeers from human lions awaiting the smell of blood, Sidney recites the words from the Gospel of St. John, I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives there and believeth in me shall never die. If you read the novel, you will see how Dickens paints the way sin has weaved its thread through the fabric of the entirety of the story. These sin include the brokenness of the aristocracy and the complicity of the church in perpetuating corruption. One significant thread is the brokenness of a lawyer named Sidney Carton, whose self-loathing and pain totally outshines his brilliance. For his life is overshadowed by deep darkness, alcohol, and the affliction of what is seemingly apathetic melancholy. His own words are very telling. He says, I am a disappointed drudge. I care for no man on earth, and no man on earth cares for me. His internal condition is described as a wasteland, as a wasteland that is, that is evolving within him. Dickens poetically writes, sadly, the sadly, the sun rose. It rose upon no sadder sight than this man, who with good abilities and good emotions is yet capable, incapable of their directed exercises incapable of his own help, his own happiness. Wow, what a picture 
of brokenness. What a picture of the human condition. This deep condition persists until he encounters Lucy Manette. Dickens points out the contrast between Carton and Manette in significant ways throughout the novel. She is seen as a happy person, a joyful person, whose inner beauty allows love and moral virtue to break through, even in the most devastating of situations. In contrast with Sydney, her life is full of joy and hope. And this contrast causes Sidney to examine his own life and to call towards an amendment of life. A different perspective begins to shape his life because of his encounter with Lucy, so much so that he gives up his very life so that her entire family may live. Sidney's story is a testament of how an encounter with moral virtue and joy can transform even the most hardened, self-loathing, and broken of individuals. The encounter of pure love flows exceedingly and empowers Sidney to utter the words of Jesus as he faces his very death at the guillotine. Our collect and the lessons today are about true religion. This term is fraught with debate, controversy, and death, particularly during the time of the English Reformation. At its core, pure religion for the Christian church accepts that we have this hampering condition called sin and recognizes the power of Christ's love expressed through his ministry, death, and resurrection to break through this very condition so that we can have life and life in its abundance. The effect of true religion is a life that is transformed, transformed by joy to cultivate and produce the fruits of love. True religion at its very core breaks the idolatry of the aristocracy as painted by the gospel writer today when the disciples are called out for eating with defiled hands, some among the Jerusalem elites suggest that they are violating true religion. If you take a look at scripture, you will not see any scriptural warrant to what they are suggesting. There is no scriptural warrant to suggest that the, that the disciples were wrong. There is no biblical underpinning suggesting an elaborate ritual practice before eating. Those practices that the Pharisees and some of the scribes cited in today's portion were not common and were kept by an extremist sect of Pharisees and priests, according to New Testament scholar Ched Myers. The tradition of the elites point to an evolution, an evolution of interpretive tradition and are not part of pure religious practice. In the words of Lamar Williamson, those interpretive practices that were originally designed to protect the law have now become 
a heavy burden. What Jesus is suggesting to those who could hear him is a correction, a return to true religion. A religion that acknowledges our fundamental brokenness, a religion that is open to receiving wholeness, and which begins by the purification of our intentions. It is a return to the refiner's fire to cast away all the dirt and grime that layer religious life in order to, its, to return to its fundamental core. Love God. Love your neighbor. It is a return to first principles and first loves as put forward through poetic imagination. The words of our first lesson today, taken from the Song of Solomon, speaks of this love. As an allegory for the love between God and humanity, the poet beautifully articulates the stirring of the love that strikes the heart with a noble song. With a poetic voice, the poet writes, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing has come. Friends, there are many of us who are sitting either here or watching online who, like Sidney Carton, feel misunderstood or who feel that you are alone in the world. Some of you may feel that your past action or inaction cause you to be unlovable. There are some of us who carry the burden of guilt, so much so that we are unable to express goodness and love. There are some of us who feel inadequate because we do not have the religious vocabulary or the religious attire necessary to experience God. If you find yourself in any of those categories, let me assure you, let me assure you of one thing, that God looks not on your external appearance or the externalities of your life, but God looks at your heart. God looks at your heart. And if you desire to live a life that is whole, God works through our very brokenness because we are children of a living, a living, and a redeeming God. God does not look at labels or human-constructed identities. Rather, God looks at who we are through the eyes of love. True religion sees us for who we are, broken, yet redeemed. Allow me to be pretty blunt. A significant portion of the Western world sees the Christian faith as either part of the imperial aristocracy or espousing words of hate. Perhaps it's time for the Western church, for us, to come back to our first love, the first love of an ethic based on the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. 
for those of us in the institutional church. May Jesus' critique of the elites in the gospel inspire us to examine whether we operate out of grace or unrighteous condemnation. May the poetry of the first lesson rekindle our desire to be the bride of Christ in this world. May the example of Lucy Manette, who through her joy, who through her compassion, virtue, and love, reached the life of even the most hardened of individuals, inspire us as the church to tend to the poor, the widowed, and the orphans. Beloved, there is hope for us all. There is hope for us all. Allow me to uh, remind you of the words, the last words of the Tale of Two Cities that I'm going to modify. These are words that point us towards looking to a greater good, a good that is beyond ourselves, a good that can only be achieved by looking at the author and perfecter of our faith. For it is a far, far better thing that you do than you have ever done. For you will receive a far, far better rest that you go to than you have ever known. Abide in God. Rest in his promise of love for each and every one of us. Amen.